Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 173, Marriage and Mental Health. Yes, welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. I am your host, Lori Krieg, and I do have alongside me my favorite licensed therapist, Argyle expert and husband, Matt Krieg. Hey. And we do have the ever faithful and most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, guys. Oh, my goodness. You guys, I cannot wait for you to hear this episode with Aaron and Jamie Ivy of uh, the Jamie Ivy Happy Hour Show. Uh, they just wrote the book Compliment, and we talk about their book. We talk a little bit about marriage and the challenges in COVID, etc. And then we talk about mental health and how it has really affected them and their marriage and lives over the last couple of years and different coping mechanisms we can run to, including overworking. Matt Craig, you, you don't know that in our marriage at all, do you? No, I don't ever not, go to work. Not in the slightest, ever. <laughs> oh, but we get real and raw, and I cannot wait to dive in with you all. But before we do dive in, I just wanted to let you know, we appreciate when you rate and review the podcast. It helps other people find it. You can go on iTunes or Podbean or Spotify and just drop a few stars, however many you think we uh, deserve here. And if you write a note, we do read them and I'll often screenshot them and send to Steve and Matt. We just all need a little encouragement. Uh, you can also reach out to us if you have questions. You can reach out at podcast at com, and we'd love to answer them about this episode or any of them. Guys, I am so excited to welcome to the show today, Aaron and Jamie Ivy. Aaron is the pastor of worship and creativity at the Austin Stone, whoop, whoop, where my just older than me brother, he's also a pastor, so they hang out. Hi, Scott. Uh, they are in Austin, Texas. He is the author of Steal Away Home. He's a songwriter, artist, elder, father, husband, and mentor, and has a deep love for his family, including his wife, Jamie which now let's talk about Jamie. She's been running Ivy Media for seven years where she produces two podcasts, including the super successful uh, podcast called The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy. Uh, Matt and I were recently on there. It's a really great, it's just great. Uh, and she's also has her own YouTube show. She's written two books, If You Only Knew and You Be You. Aaron and Jamie live in Austin and are parents to four amazing kids and have been married for 20 years, which I highlight that because that's relevant to today's conversation. Guys, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. We're so happy to be here. So glad to have you. Oh, man. You guys listening, I know you're eager to jump and hear the content here, but you also know if you've been listening uh, to our podcast for any length of time, we do a little warm up question, a little question of the week from last week so that we can get to know you, our audience, better as well as our guests. So, Aaron, we'll start with you. If you could be in the Guinness Book of World Records, what record-breaking feat would you attempt? Oh, my gosh. You didn't even prep me for this. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, can you think of something? <laughs> I mean... What record-breaking feat? Uh, I don't know if this is actually a record, but uh, it'd be fun to have written the longest song in human history. Ooh. Oh, that has cool. to be a record. I'm sure. Right? Yeah. yeah. Don't do the fingernails one. That would be gross. No, so, song seems that great. One. That doesn't work out well. <laughs> Jamie, what about you? Uh, let's see. I would probably like to hold the record for, oh, here's a fun one, uh, for trying the most salsas in a day. And I don't mean salsa dancing. I mean like chips and salsa. Like Ooh. how much chips and salsa can we eat in one day? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Just try not to grab those ghost pepper ones too much. No, no, I'm done. None of that. None of that. None of that nonsense. Steve O'Dell, what about you? Which listener response resonated with you and why? Yeah. So I liked what David said, uh, procrastinating. (laughs) Procrastinating. Oh, I want to take that one too, (laughs) David. (laughs) Same seats. I mean, like for me, it's a toss up between that and Jamie's. Salsa, procrastinating. (laughs) I'll, I'll take either. Yeah. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I really liked what Dana said, uh, John Wayne or Western trivia. Mm. <laughs> Wait, why? Wow. Well, you know me. I'm a, I'm a big nerd. And yeah. so if, I mean, you just switch out Western with Star Wars and I'm like, there, there it is right there. <laughs> Star Wars in many ways is a Western. It, I know. Yeah. I know. But oh, man. Very specific. <laughs> I appreciated this one from Jonathan. How long I could sleep. I mean, I just, oh, I, think I like that. that. That's I like that one to too. Everybody. Yeah, I'd like to try that. Yeah, I would like to try that. But I think maybe if I tried a real thing, it's like longest deep chat. That's probably mm, something that would be I you, would <laughs> That would be torture for me. I'm longest sure. That would be torture. I think most people on you, I don't know, Jamie, maybe you could, you'd like that, but. I, I, can I would like it for a little while, but I don't know about that Guinness World Record the longest. <laughs> yeah, well, it's probably not actually a record. So <laughs> let's move it right along to the heart of the matter, guys. The purpose of this podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. And so we've been asking every guest a set of questions. Uh, and so we're going to continue the trend. Uh, Jamie and Aaron, if the gospel is I am more loved than I imagine and yet more sinful than I believe. Shout out Tim Keller. Uh, when was the gospel first good news for you, and how is it still? Hmm. Aaron, you want to hit it up? Yeah, I met Jesus my freshman year of college, um, so I didn't I didn't know him at all. I, I was around like church people and stuff like that um, growing up, but I didn't actually meet him or fall in love with him until freshman year of college. And then when I did, I mean, that totally changed everything about my life. I've never gotten over it. Um, it's the gospel is still something that, um, deeply resonates with me. I'm still shocked that God likes me and loves me. I'm still shocked that he could use me for, uh, anything, you know, I'm still just surprised by the whole thing. So once he got a hold of my heart, like it's just, uh, it changed everything about my whole life. Mm. And then wait, Aaron, I love that. How do you need him right now? How do I need them right now? Um, you know, we're parenting four teenagers and so we need all the help we can get. So we need, we need like wisdom. We need uh, all the fruits of the spirit, patience. Oh my gosh. We need kindness. We need, um, you know, just slowness to speak and, you know, slowness to anger, all of that stuff. Like I really need to understand the gospel right now in this season, maybe more than ever. Love it. Jamie, I'd love to hear your answer to the gospel's good news first for you. And then right now. I too, like Aaron, grew up in a home that went to church all the time, but um, didn't really say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I understand completely what you've done for me and you offered me this gift until I was 21. And so I was in college as well. I went to a passion conference. I don't know how I ended up there because I was not someone who was interested in church things, uh, but I ended up going to passion and um, I was sitting in the arena and a woman was speaking and it felt like she was speaking just to me and the Holy Spirit just moved and did what he does and drew me towards him and my life has never been the same since. Uh, the good news uh, was then and it still is today. And I would say um, 
today, even me really fully understanding that my identity is just found in him and him alone. You know, Mm -hmm. even when I feel like I'm on top of the world and when I'm in the bottom of the pit, that my identity doesn't change. And I think that's what I need him right for for right now. Preach. So good. So guys, we want to jump in a little bit because you wrote this book, Compliment. And actually, when I say this book, I mean two books. There's (laughs) the companion series. It's awesome. Um, But why now? Why write a marriage book or marriage books at this point in time? Why now? Yeah, I think Jamie and I both um, have noticed uh, in most of the conversations that we have with people who are either thinking about marriage or just starting marriage or been married for, you know, a while, um, the conversations that we're having are marriage is really hard. Is marriage worth it? Uh, Is marriage going to be something that is just destined to end up in, you know, kind of a bland, apathetic kind of way. And we both, we've all seen marriages that do like they start out super fun. They start out with two people in love. And then a couple years go by, life gets more complex. Maybe some kids show up and then the marriage seems to just kind of get stale and get boring, you know, and Jamie and I fight really hard for that not to be our story. And we want to just be a help to people because that's not the story that marriage is supposed to be. Marriage is supposed to be, you know, the most um, life-giving, the most fun relationship that you have. Uh, And marriage is not the ultimate thing. Not everybody is going to experience marriage and that's okay. Marriage is not like the thing that completes life. But if God does have marriage for you, we we want to help people navigate through that and, and really figure out like, God designed it to be something really extraordinary, not bland, not boring, not stale, but something really good and beautiful. And so that's why we wrote the book. We hope it's a help to people. Mm. Aaron, you just touched on this, but Jamie, you even say in the book that marriage has gotten a bad rap. Can you unpack that a little bit further? Yeah, I think in, you know, if we're going to speak, we can speak in like church world talk or like, you know, culture even. I think that they're separate, but there's so many similarities that it's kind of hard sometimes to differentiate between what you hear in the church and what you hear in the world. And I think that's a little sad in in itself. But like Aaron said, I mean, when we first got married, you know, you hear all the things like, oh, it's just downhill for here or, you know, wait, wait until you add some kids and then all the things. And and so I think with marriage getting a bad rap is a lot of people are willing to just forego the purpose of marriage, which isn't to make Aaron or I or anybody happy. Like that's, you know, we believe that's what's so crazy about marriage is that it is so exciting. It's so thrilling. It doesn't have to be boring. But also there's this deeper meaning to marriage that makes you stick it out, even when it gets hard, because, you know, marriage is about something more than just what can I get out of it or what can Aaron get out of it? And so um, I think a lot of people growing up in the church maybe are even confused about what why why should I get married what makes marriage exciting what does God even think about marriage and uh, you know I know I was that way when I was when Aaron and I got married I was 23 and I don't think I really ever even spent the time at that young age to think about man what's the purpose of marriage Mm-mm. or why is it why does it matter or you know at, at that time, I would have said like, oh my gosh, Aaron's my soulmate. Like we were just destined to be together forever and he completes me. I would have said all of those things and I don't believe either one of those things. I don't think that he's my soulmate. I don't think that he completes me. Um, and so I think that we just want to be a part of the conversation about marriage because we believe it's so beautiful the way God designed it. Mm. So Aaron, you're your book is, the, the little subtitle is just The Surprising Beauty of Choosing Together Over Separate in Marriage. And it's a, it's a wonderful title, but here we are coming out of COVID a little bit where there's been so much togetherness in marriage. Like, how, how do you think 
this kind of quarantine being stuck together, like isolated has affected marriages and that togetherness that you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, I think 2020 and now 2021 um, have been the hardest years of Jamie and I's marriage. And that's probably true for anybody that's been married. Um, and, and I don't think COVID has brought anything new to marriages. I think it's just exposed maybe what's all, always been there. And what's always been there is like, um, you know, um, it, it's really easy when you're working and you are moving really quickly and you're just in a fast paced life, life just to kind of like blaze through and not maybe address some of the things that are under the surface. But then when all of that slows down, you realize, oh, I'm actually not as gracious as I thought I was. I'm actually not as attentive to my spouse as I thought I was. You know, when you when, when life is slowed down and you're just kind of stuck in one spot, it exposes what's what's always kind of been there. And so Jamie's had Jamie and I have both had to kind of like see, okay, this is the real stuff that's in me. I am prone to overwork just to kind of like feel great about myself, to overachieve so that I can feel like I accomplished a bunch of stuff and feel like I'm awesome. But when all those things stop, then I realize, oh, I can do that to a fault and then miss out on paying really close attention to my spouse, like loving her and serving her. So I think that's what COVID's done. And I think it's a really good thing because it's forcing all of us who are married to really dig into the deeper parts of like, okay, I fell in love with you at the very beginning. I committed my life to you. Now that things are slowed down a little bit, now that all the layers are gone, I have to work really hard to make sure I'm still pursuing you, that I'm still dating you, that I'm still serving you and loving you in the way that God wants me to. Okay, but let's talk real life. Jamie, how's that work in real life? Like I literally just got off the phone with my sister and she's like, so marriage and COVID and also anytime, but COVID. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, you know, I, there's the mysteries kind of gone. Cause it's like, well, what'd you do to you? You're like, do, what did you do today? And you're like, I know what you did. Your life was really boring today. Cause I saw you <laughs> three times yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess, you know, you guys are talking about, it doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be blah. So how did you guys go from wow, I maybe don't actually like you. I choose love because I have Jesus in me, but I don't like you right now. How do you guys go from just awareness of that to leaning toward? Yeah, I mean, like Aaron said, 2020, y'all, it kicked our butts kicked with it. marriage. Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing about that, just a little behind the scenes for listeners, is we we were about to turn in this manuscript when, when COVID hit. And so here we are in our hardest year of marriage ever, editing a marriage book. I mean, guys, listen, it's just like the craziness about it. But I think, you know, the thing that happened in COVID was like Aaron said, the selfishness, uh, anything that was there, it just kind of rose to the surface. It's yeah. kind of like you say like, oh, I didn't know I was had anger issues till I had kids. Well, you've always had anger issues. It's just your kids brought them to the surface. And so that's what COVID did for us. And so working through that, it was messy. It was ugly. But here we are, you know, 12 months on the other side of it, 13 months on the other side of it going, okay. So we walked through one of the hardest seasons and we had to choose every day. I'm going to say I'm sorry and I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to try to do better next time. I'm going to do this. And so I have never had to say I'm sorry so many times as I did last year. I have never had to like come before Aaron in humility so many times as I did last year. I probably had never been as angry at Aaron as I had as last year. And so all of those things combined, but yet it's still, it's like the gospel we talked about in the, you know, the beginning of the show. It's like, it's continually working in us. And so just because we had this, you know, terrible three days where we're just mad at each other and fighting, 
the gospel is still working and we're still striving to love each other and have that thriving, exciting, fun, not boring marriage. And so it just took so much more work. Mm. That's why I think on the other side of that year, we can look people in the eyes and say, we know this is hard. We know it's really hard. And we know you're going to have hard days and hard weeks and hard months and sometimes even hard years. But we know that God is also faithful to us if we continue to do the work to put it in. So day to day, man, there are a lot of days I didn't choose the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I was um, holding on to things, you know, counting wrongs. I had a scorecard in my head that had forever had that ticking little my, my score, your score. And so there are days that I can say, man, I didn't choose uh, the right thing. And then there are days that I was like, man, God, you have to do this in me because I can't do this on my own. And that's what being a Christian is, is, you know, is saying, God, I can't do this. You have to do this for me. So I think it's just every day thinking, I I, want to look more like Jesus. And so how am I going to do that today? Mm. Oneness takes work. Always. So I love hearing that in your marriage. And for those of you who are single, like if you're like checking out, your eyes are rolling or whatever at all of like, oh, this is only marriage. Oneness takes work in the church too. I'm just always, even in my friendships, I'm always like, okay, well, if I'm willing to work at it with Matt, I need to be able to work at it in this friendship to not let them just drift, to not let it just these Mm -hmm. little things get in the way. But oneness takes work. And this is such a beautiful, practical care for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Jamie, earlier you said that when you first got married, you assumed that Aaron was your soulmate and, and all that, all that good flowery stuff. Um, But, you know, Aaron, from from your perspective, go back to the beginning. When you guys got married, what what was the reason that you got married? Well, I didn't I honestly didn't think that I would probably ever find somebody that would like like me and love me. I I grew up not understanding what love was, really. Um, I didn't know how to love people. I didn't know how to receive love. Um, you know, I grew up like, a, a, like extreme introvert, like super lonely. Like that was kind of like the way I, I grew up. So, um, I don't think I entered into it. Like some people are like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get married. Who's my soulmate going to be, you know, dating a lot of people. That wasn't my story at all. I was really surprised that Jamie liked me and, uh, I still kind of am. Um, Aww. so I think as we started to, uh, date, we started to build our, our dating relationship on friendship. Uh, and that's what we think is so critical for people who are dating is just to build the entire thing on being deep rooted friends with each other, because friendship is what's going to last when you are married and you go through really, really hard things. You know, if it's just built on infatuation or it's built on sex or it's just built on attraction, those things are all going to change throughout the years. They're going to change when you get married. They're going to change 10 years into marriage, 50 years into marriage. But if you can build it on friendship, that's a thing that's going to last throughout the whole deal. And so we always tell couples when they're dating, hey, take out all the things from the relationship that would distract from you guys just being really, really good friends. Like focus in on that. And then Jamie and I, after being really good friends, you know, and then dating as friends, uh, it just made all the sense in the world um, to look at Jamie, who was next to me doing the same kind of things with the same mission in life, the same passions, wanting to do the same things in the world. And for us to go, oh, wow, this is God actually like uniting two whole souls, right? Two people who are totally like legit on their own. I don't need Jamie. Jamie doesn't need me to complete her. Um, That's when a marriage can form and it can actually be healthy because it's two people who are both rooted in Jesus, right? Like their own people, their own person. And then they're just doing the same kind of mission together. That's, that's how we ended up um, getting married. And uh, 
you know, that friendship turned into like deep abiding love. And that's what's uh, what's kept us through the whole thing. I love that. I'd love for this next one for you both to answer. Jamie, I'll start with you. Um, so Matt could, I'm sure, attest to this just as a therapist, but me just talking to my friends or whatever, often there can be a spouse who doesn't want to work on the marriage. Like you guys are both saying, you know, we saw this thing, you're both committed to Jesus, and so Jesus makes you work on stuff. Uh, so Jamie... What would you say to someone who's like, okay, well, good for you. You're married to Aaron Ivy. He wants to work on his stuff. Like, what would you say to that friend who's like, well, my spouse doesn't want to work? Yeah. First, I would say I'm sorry uh, because that has to be an extremely difficult situation um, that I not, I don't personally understand right now in our current uh, marriage. Um, and because Aaron and I both were like, we want to work on this forever. But I would first say I'm sorry. And then I would say, honestly, at the end of the day, you can't make your spouse do anything. And I think anyone that's been married for, you know, longer than a minute understands that is that I actually can't make Aaron do anything. I can't make him a better dad. I can't make him a better lover. I can't make him a better husband. Like I don't have the ability to do that. And I think that where it gets so difficult, I'll speak from a woman's perspective, is a lot of time women think I'll be the one to change him. I'll change him. I'll show him the way. I'll do all the things. And he's going to be awesome because I'm going to do it. And that's too much power to give yourself because you can't actually do it. It's also too much pressure because you can't actually do it either. And so my advice would be, this sounds so churchy and I don't want it to feel churchy, especially if you're like, okay, whatever, would really be to pray. I mean, really, really, really to pray and not pray like, oh, that they come around or whatever, but pray that they fall in love with Jesus. Because I honestly think that like, falling in love with Jesus, a lot of the pieces that we're wanting to get fixed, they fall into place that way. And so I would just, that would be my number one prayer is pray that they fall in love with Jesus and that Jesus is the one that can transform them and you can't. Mm, so good. And guys, of course, we're not talking about situations of abuse or whatever. That's not, you know, just a prayer or quiet. That's a, that's a justice issue. So just please get yourself safe. Right. But we're talking about in a non-abusive situation, Exactly. You just got to pray. I remember doing that with, with Matt when he drove me insane. All I would silently pray is make him like Jesus. <laughs> make him like Jesus. <laughs> and I'm sure he had to do that for me when I, it was my right. turn. Aaron, same question for you. What, what do you say to guys if their wife like, doesn't want to work? Yeah. Well, I have a friend who's in that exact spot right now. And um, I know from just walking alongside him how difficult that is, you know, um, and he he happens to be like a Jesus follower. And um, so there's an aspect of that that's definitely helpful, right, to get through that. Um, but I think what I've learned from him is um, there there's so much like there's so much power in serving um, your spouse, hmm. that, that is such a, like a compelling sort of thing. I think it's, it's easy for guys to want to, um, just like be on the, on the defensive or like be kind of like attacking, like you need to do this. Why don't you do this? I'm so frustrated with you and doing this all the time. Right. Hmm. Um, but for a guy to like actually take the, 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 maybe the more uncomfortable seat and like actually serve, like to literally choose a posture of, I'm going to serve my spouse. I'm going to look for opportunities to lay down my life so that she can see what a, a what a heart of a servant actually looks like. When you see a spouse who's like just willingly like doing whatever it takes to lay down their preferences and their desires and their life for you, that is so compelling, right? And I've seen 
um, her heart changed so much, not by him like pointing out all of her errors, but by just like being patient, being gentle, being kind, being servant hearted. That, that right there is like so underrated. But the people in my life, right, that have um, changed me and have uh, let me like kind of come out of like a hardness of heart or places where I've just been stubborn weren't the people that came at me. They were the people that just were gentle and patient. And, and I, I think sometimes too, like the, the, the process of God changing a person's heart is really slow. Like we want it overnight. We want our marriages to be fixed in a year, but God doesn't move in that timing. It's just slow sometimes. And just trusting him with that and sticking with it, I think is, uh, is so, so critical. Mm-hmm. So you, you guys say that, okay, this last year was, was rough for you guys. And it was, it was a hard thing, but, but not all of the issues that came up last year started last year. I mean, some of this would have been baggage that you guys maybe brought into the marriage that just kind of lay dormant for a while. You know, and so I, I guess, Jamie, I'll, I'll ask you this question specifically, but how much of that baggage that you guys dealt with last year was something that you feel was really important for you and Aaron to work through together rather than maybe both of you even separately going to someone like me as a therapist um, to, to work on your own like solo baggage? How much of that should be like resting on the marriage? I, you're, you're supposed to tell me that answer, Matt. You're my therapist. <laughs> um, I will say this. Um, I personally spent, and Aaron too, but I'll let him speak for himself, spent lots of time last year with a counselor. Um, and so I look back and I think, man, I personally had to take so much ownership over some issues. And of course, we're married. And so those things overflow into our marriage, uh, which is just how life works, you know. But I look back and think, man, I had to own so much of my own stuff uh, before I think it could even start to heal and work out in our marriage. Uh, Because it wasn't like... It wasn't like we had to come together and think, okay, here are the things we need to work on as a couple. It was kind of like, here's what I need to work on so that I can be a better, I can compliment you better to use our title of our book so I can be a better wife, so I can be a better friend. Because right now I'm failing as a friend. You know, I'm not being that good friend to you. So I had to work through things. And, you know, Aaron mentioned, you know, like he's like an, an achiever and so he wanted to to work 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 and I kind of can shut down sometimes in difficult situations and so COVID hits and I'm shutting down and he's like working and so we both had to I had to own up to I can't just shut down like you know I can't just you know freeze I can't just do these things so I think individually I would say we had to work on things the most okay so it it started individual at least in therapy but then it, it affected the marriage Aaron is that is that the same kind of response from you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, talking about COVID exposing things that have always been there, like for me, um, a year ago, so this is like in the middle of COVID, um, I got diagnosed with clinical depression. And it's something that I knew I had had struggled with for so long. But because I was an overachiever and still am, I could just like cope with that by like pushing through and and trying to be impressive and overworking. And so I've always known, I mean, I've always known that there's been just like this dull sense of sadness and loneliness that I've always dealt with, but that was exposed through COVID and it came out even more to where it was something that was like, I couldn't deal with it on my own. All the coping mechanisms that I had for so long, for 40 years, just they stopped working like overnight. 
And so that played into a lot of the conflict that Jamie and I had. I was like depressed and I was hiding it from other people. Um, I was hiding it from Jamie. Um, and so then when you're overworking and then you're also working really hard to hide something, then it's exhausting. And so a lot of our, we can look back and go, man, a lot of our conflict came from something that I was dealing with mm-hmm. that first I had to kind of like wrestle to the ground and I had to get help through therapy and through medication before we could ever work on how that played out into our marriage. So yeah, I think it totally starts with kind of the the person dealing with who they are and what, what they are kind of going through because that always plays out into the marriage eventually. Yeah. Do you, do you mind? I thank you so much for like your real vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind if I ask you a, a question that I ask a lot of my clients? Can, I, can I put on it's the therapist get, hat for a second? About to get real. Do so, I have to pay for this? No, no. no. Um, do, do you mind? No. no. Okay, Not perfect. paying, but asking. Perfect. Yeah, do you mind paying? No. <laughs> yeah. So so oftentimes, and, and you brought up with your depression, like you didn't want to share with anyone. You wanted to hide it. You wanted, and, and that led you to a space of isolation. Um, oftentimes in places of conflict or avoidance, we we're operating under this like unconfronted assumption about ourselves or about someone else, or about our spouse maybe. Um, what was that assumption about Jamie maybe that you were having to confront before you felt comfortable opening up with your depression? Mm-hmm. I think the assumption was that Jamie needed me to have all of my junk together. I think that was the the driving assumption because that's what I assume about everyone in my life is that they need me to be somebody um, that they love me because of what I do for them and not just for who I am. Um, so that's something that I've had to really like untangle uh, in my relationship with Jamie and honestly in my relationship with every person um, that I can, I can actually be in loved, I can be loved and I can be valuable to someone just for who I am, not for what I do for them. Uh, now I'm crying. I know. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Precious Jamie, can I ask you, so in our marriage, I mean, it's all over our book, but we've had some issues, a couple, um, but walking with a spouse who's wrestling with mental health, what was that like for you, if I may ask? Yeah, I mean, even hearing Aaron talk about it now, it gets me teary because um, it was so, that would be difficult in like a, a quote unquote normal time. And and we keep talking, we're going to talk about 2020 as being the weirdest, most difficult year until all of us die. Right. Um, and so, and then it's compacted on top of that. Um, and then it's also compacted on top of like, I didn't know the things that Aaron was feeling. And so then I feel like I, I've been married to you for 18, 19 years. I've never heard you say these things. And he's like, I know I would never want to say them to anyone. And so it felt um, really hard for me because then I had to deal with, well, I'm not enough for Aaron because Aaron didn't trust me with this. And so he feels like he's not enough for me. I feel like I'm not enough for him. And so it's just it was hard. And I think it's still every time I hear him talk about it, um, it's still really hard. You know, he did. He was on actually my podcast recently and, and gave just one of the best illustrations that I've ever heard. And I've had so many people resonate to it. Um, And as he was sitting here and I was interviewing him and he was saying that thing to me, I just, I, I felt so sad because I don't understand it either. You know, I don't understand what that feels like. And, and that's his wife and, and, you know, you don't have to be best friends in a marriage, but I feel like Aaron and I are really great best friends. I felt sad, you know, and I still feel sad. Um, But, 
but it doesn't there's nothing wrong with Aaron you know and so it's not like anything I need to fix I just think it was it was just a hard it was hard understanding that he was going through something and I didn't know about it can you share the illustration Aaron yeah she she was uh asking about um depression and kind of what it feels like um and I've had people ask that a lot and out of like genuine concern like dude tell me what does it feel like is it just that you're sad all the time and and it's not that at all it's um it's like the illustration i gave was it's like you live in this perfect house this beautiful house this mansion maybe it's somewhere like in england you know with like a immaculate lawn on tons of acreage and it's a massive beautiful house and inside that house is everything that could ever make you happy it's got everything you need you've got friends that are coming by everything that you could ever want or afford right is right there in that house and it's beautiful it's awesome it's stunning but underneath that house is a basement and that basement is everything that is scary everything that is wounding everything that is lonely and sad and no matter how hard you try um, to not go into that basement, depression feels like you're always just like pulled into that that basement. And you're in that basement, you're looking around, you're like, well, I have no reason to be sad. Look what's up there. All the people that I love, everything that I find so comfortable and so beautiful is right up there. Anybody walking by would look by and go, man, Aaron's life is awesome. Look at his house. Look at all the stuff that he has. But when you go through depression, it, you're in that basement. And no matter how hard you try, you can't get out. And that's the way it feels when you are struggling through depression. That's the way it feels for me. And where things like therapy and medication have come in to help has been, it's just, it's kept me from going into that basement. I can still kind of like open the door and peek in there. I know what's in there. Um, I'm still tempted to kind of like walk down the stairs and hang out in there. Um, so the basement is still there, but it's, I've learned to not like engage all the way fully into like living in that basement um and i hate that it's still there i wish i could just demolish it and get rid of it or build a wall in front of the door so i don't have to see the door um but those things have helped me not kind of like live in that basement that, mm. that's the illustration that i told that seems to make the most sense to me and i think that was really hard for me to hear but you know in the context of us talking about marriage i would start to believe that i should be enough to keep aaron out of the basement like, what, what do you mean? Like, I, I'm your wife. You love me. Why would you want to go to the basement when I'm here in the living room? Um, and it's just really been, it's been a learning thing for me, too, to realize that, like, I actually, that's too much pressure for me as well, you know? Like, and I, that's not something that I can actually do um, for Aaron. Like, that's between him and God. Um, and we're so grateful for therapy and medicine. Like he said, those graces that God gives us are amazing. Um but I would say that's been difficult and that's not an uncommon story for couples. Like, I mean, that's what I think we've learned so much and, you know, being married for almost 20 years is that life is just stinking hard. Yeah. I mean, you know, like you just throw all kinds of things into the mix, mental health, kids, kids with special needs, trauma, uh, work, you know, all the things. And then you look around and be like, okay, so how are we going to make it through this? And I think that's one of our things that I've even learned through this last year is that making it through what Aaron's been walking through, it has to have a stronger foundation other than just like, oh, we're sexually attracted to each other right. and we like to eat Mexican food together. Like that is never gonna stand up for mm -hmm. that basement illustration. And I think that is what we want marriages to know is that that foundation has to be bigger than what you think can sustain you because it can't. Mm. I feel like someone needs to hear this. Aaron, do you need Jamie to be strong enough to block the basement off no and and she can't be 
And yeah. so if I put that on her, I'm going to always put too much pressure on her and I will always be let down. Always. And Jamie, do you need Aaron to be strong enough to keep it all together? No, because I, I mean, I can't, he, he can't do that. I can't make him do that. If that's what you're asking. Yeah. I can't do that. And you don't actually need that. We both, you need Jesus. And in this death right. to self and union, you guys are showing us Jesus and you're loving each other through this. Okay, I want to look, let's take a breather, and I want to look at our um, single friends uh, who are listening in, and they're like, oh boy, this seems hard. (laughs) And, you know, I'm guessing during COVID, there's been times where they've looked at us as married people, and they're like, well, at least you're married. And we look at them, and we're like, well, at least you're alone. (laughs) (laughs) But can you just invite um, some single friends who are like, oh, maybe my married friends need a little help. Like how, how can your single friends or how can our single friends help, help some of us who are still riding the hot mess express? Mm. Well, Jamie and I have uh, single people in our life um, like crazy and we love it. I mean, just last night there were two single guys um, hanging out with, uh, with us having dinner and playing video games with our kids until midnight. Right. It's, that's a very normalized thing for our life. And we absolutely love it we feel like um you know in some ways i think they would say that we're a blessing to them but honestly like they're such a blessing to us yep. um, because they give us a different perspective on life they um teach us things that we would not know on our on our own just living as two married people with a bunch of kids you know um it's such like a, a mutually beneficial um relationship and friendship and so i think people need to single people need to hear and understand like you have value and purpose and there's something that God has for you to do right now in your singleness. Because if you can wrap your mind around that, then marriage won't be this thing that you finally feel like you can get to and then do something awesome with your life. Like so many of our single friends are doing radical, incredible things for God right now. Um, And they are not looking around um, for hoping like, who can they find to marry? They're not. They're just so focused on like, I'm going to spend my life and my singleness like doing stuff. I'm going to make a difference in the world. I'm going to care about justice. I'm going to care about racism in America. I'm going to, I'm going to serve my tail off in Austin, Texas. And I want single people to be like really encouraged and challenged to do that with their singleness, right? With no expectation to get married. And if you do, like there are some people that are like, I just want to get married one day. That's great. But to be able to embrace your singleness and, and spend it really, really well. So good. So if there's someone out there who's listening to this and they just have not much hope in their marriage or, or maybe they're looking at marriage and the whole institute of it without any hope, um, is there anything, we'll start with you, Jamie, and then move to Aaron. Um, is there anything you would say to them today? Yeah, I mean, I would say that, you know, that 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 Jesus is our hope. He's our living hope. He's the only way that any of us have hope in anything, whether that be our marriages, our parenting, um, our, our mentoring, our friendships. Our, he is our only hope because of what he did for us um, on the cross, uh, that that is what brings us hope. And so when you're looking at marriage, uh, it can feel very, very, very like overwhelming. And you guys know this because you, I already, I, I couldn't go through the this episode with telling you how much I love y'all's book again. So y'all <laughs> have written about it. And the whole time in your book, it was like that Jesus is our hope, that, that we cannot put our hope in another person. And so if your marriage is struggling, I would ask you, where is your hope? Is your hope in 
your marriage. You know, I mean, that's like a hard thing because you want your marriage to survive and thrive. But is your hope in your marriage or is your hope in your spouse being better? And if it's either one of those things, they can't do it. They can't survive. They can't. It can't be okay. But when our hope is in Jesus, then even if your marriage doesn't survive, even if your spouse never follows Jesus, even if your spouse still chooses the selfish ways that are that are that are hurting your marriage, even if all those things happen, like nothing changes in your life because you have a hope in something that's deeper than your marriage. So get it. I would just encourage you to ask, where is your hope? And it should be in Jesus. Hmm. Get it, Jamie. Yeah. And I would add, you know, I feel like in our culture, um, we, we definitely give up on things really quickly. Um, we tend to like bail on a job when, when we have a supervisor that's tough to get along with. We tend to bail on school whenever it gets really tough. Like that's just an easy thing for us in our current culture to just like give up on something or somebody. And, you know, being a pastor for like 20 years now, like, I have seen some really like uh, hard marriages that a lot of people would say were hopeless to ever find like repair. I've seen them turn into something really beautiful and I've seen it so much that I'm confident in saying like, man, God can fix some crazy things. And if you feel like your marriage is super hopeless right now, don't give up on it. Don't give up on it. Like just keep pressing forward. Keep doing what Jamie was talking about. Pray for your spouse. Like ask God to change like the spots in your heart that need to be changed too, because it's always two people, right? Everybody's got their own thing that they need like help and change in, but don't give up. Like keep pressing forward. Keep asking God to change. Keep learning uh, about yourself, about marriage. Keep learning how to do it better. Um, I just really want to encourage people like God can restore a lot of broken things and he's really good at doing that. Okay. I love it, but I feel like there needs to be one more thing. Aaron, can you please speak to someone who is struggling with their mental health, either in their marriage or in their singleness, and they're just so over it? It's been over a year, maybe, and that it maybe began or reignited in COVID, and they're just over it. Will you please just speak to that person? Yeah, I would say two things come to mind. Um, I felt like I was over it, too, and just like so tired of it and felt like such shame about it. Um, I think there's a stigma with like mental health where it's like, I I heard people say this, like, oh, I'm sure you're depressed. Everybody's depressed. It's COVID, you know, or Mm -hmm. why would you be sad about anything? Why would you have that mental health? Look how awesome your life is, right? I heard that even before the diagnosis. And so what that does is it like, it just starts planting seeds of like, okay, stuff that, keep that. Uh, There's shame involved with that. So I would say two things. One, there is no shame um, with mental health, none, zero. And if somebody ever makes you feel shameful or tells you that there's shame involved, you need to run from that person because they're not a safe person and they're not a real friend. Mm -hmm. And so don't fall into the trap of feeling shame, like get help, get help through therapy, get help through, um, through medication. If you need it, like just get help because there's so many people that really understand mental health and want to help you. And then the second thing I would say is, surround yourself with a few people that really know you and really love you that you can be your whole self with that you can be completely honest on the days where like i know it doesn't make any sense but i'm super sad today you have to have people in your life to get through mental health you just have to so that those are my two things that i would encourage you to do right now and 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 to keep pushing forward because god has like he has such love for you and he sees you he knows you perfectly he's not surprised by mental health 
and he's not like worried and anxious, like, oh my gosh, how did that happen? But he perfectly formed you and he knows you so much better than anybody else could. And with that knowing man is an immense amount of love. So uh, I hope that's encouraging for whoever's listening. Please, yeah, get uh, it, Jamie. I would like to add to like something that I've had to embrace and understand and learn is that when Aaron says to me, I'm just sad today. My initial thought is, I don't, why? What, what do you mean? Like, we're, what? But I've had to understand that like, I don't have to understand that, but I have to just go, I'm sorry and it's okay. Like you can be sad um, and, and know like, it's not me. That's so selfish of me to make it about me, you yeah. know? And that's my tendency to be like, well, what did I do? Is it me? Like I must've done something. It's so selfish like to think, oh, his life revolves around me, but he's just sad. Um, and so I would just encourage if you're that person, that safe person for someone to be willing to go, I'm sorry, and it's okay. It's so good. Oh, man. Aaron, Jamie, thank you for blessing us with this incredible book. Guys, go get Compliment wherever you can get books, which is what? Amazon. But also Barnes there and Noble, et cetera. Yes. But, <laughs> Anywhere. Uh, but thank you so much for sharing this beautiful story here and uh, just opening up your heart and lives with us today on the podcast. Absolutely. We love Thanks, you guys. guys. Thank you too. Thank you. Oh, guys. For realsies. Go check out Compliment and that interview. I missed it uh, where Jamie interviewed Aaron. Uh, so check that one out on The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy. Uh, check out their YouTube channel. It's just really uplifting. Whew. Okay, speaking of, I guess, uplifting. Uh, question of the week for next week. I always like them. They're just a little spice of life. Um, you can answer this by joining the Hold My Heart Podcast Facebook group. Just search for Hold My Heart Podcast, answer a couple questions, and we post this question there. If you could relive one day of your childhood again, what would it be? One day, childhood, age, what's happening? I want to hear it. Thanks again to Aaron and Jamie Ivy, And for all of us here at the Hold My Heart Podcast, we will see you next week. <laughs>